Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Hello, hello, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of ClearCast. I'm your host, Katie Keller, and today I'm joined by an amazing, innovative cybersecurity leader and philanthropist, Kiana Ganey. She is an Air Force veteran who works to modernize, transform, and secure the digital experience for government entities as the CEO of SecureTech360. She also has her nonprofit, My Secure Kid, which is a global movement created to educate, inspire, and promote online safety awareness for parents, educators, and children while building a talent pipeline designed to connect youth in underserved communities with meaningful IT career opportunities. So she's also working to increase diversity and inclusion in cybersecurity and information technology. So that's a heck of a list. So we really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Awesome. Thank you. That was a wonderful introduction. I was saying to myself, who is this lady? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we are our biggest critics, so it's it's tough to hear those intros sometimes, but you've done a heck of a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Um, You know, I think when you're in the thick of doing something, and especially something that you're passionate about, it just seems like you know, it doesn't seem like such a big deal, but then when you look at the impact or, you know, people's lives that have been changed through your work, that really just gives you like those warm and fuzzies. So thank you. Yo, uh, yeah, that's what we're here for. So uh, you're a veteran. So being a veteran, tell us about the military transition for you and how you kind of decided what's next and what that litmus test was for finding what was just right for you. You know, for me, I, I really enjoyed my time on active duty and it was wonderful mentors. I had been stationed at the Pentagon that was my last duty station. And I was able to serve like generals and got to see a little bit about the civilian world and how the civilian and military kind of work together. And it was almost like an aha moment. I decided not to reenlist, but I decided to stay in this area because the opportunities that I could still be able to serve in a different capacity were endless. So I just really had to really sit down with myself and think about my short-term and long-term goals. And, you know, my my first goal was to retire. And then as time went on, um, I'd end up doing 11 years. It really was like, okay, either it was a make or break moment, either I will finish the last nine or I would jump out there and do something different. And I, I, I didn't really think about it at the time, but I was really bold. I've been bold since I was 17 years old, and I, I was thinking about this the other day, just taking that chance and stepping out there. And I had mm-hmm. mentors that really guided me through the process and gave me both options. This is what retirement would look like. And this would, would look like if you decided to jump out there and go into the civilian sector. Well, you mentioned a few common themes that I've heard, and that's finding great mentors to help you throughout the process and pushing yourself outside your comfort zone, which I found is really important for those transitioning out. Yes. Because sometimes I think, you know, like you said in the beginning, we're sometimes our own worst critics and we will talk ourselves out of things and give ourselves a million reasons why not to do something. But we never just sit and say, well, what if I just did something different? You know, what would be the, the list and what would that list look like? And having a sounding board or a mentor to kind of 
you know, jump out there with you and be bold enough to say, here's option A and option B and almost giving you, you know, both of your options in front of you so that you can make a decision definitely was trans just, it transformed my life. And that was one of the reasons why it was so important for me to even um, pay it forward and become a mentor, because I understand that sometimes we just can be our own worst critics and we can hold ourselves back. And being that for someone else, because someone was that for me was just, it's like a full circle moment. Absolutely. So I'm not sure after you transitioned out from that last station, if you sort of hopped into the security clearance career space, but let's talk about the security clearance process and cleared careers because you have held one. So any tips for those seeking a clearance job after the military? Yes. Um, so for me, I, I, I had my clearance from the beginning. Um, I've always had it. And so I was really looking for, even for myself, looking for duty stations where I would be able to keep that clearance. And once I transitioned out the military, it was important for me to find companies that would be able to hold my clearance and also companies where I could grow. That again, it was mentors that kind of mapped it out and really gave me all of my options for being able to utilize the clearance. So at the time, like when I was in active duty, it didn't seem as important to me because I had one, I've always had one. But when I transitioned out the military, I was like, oh, wow, this I didn't realize that it was so valuable to already be you know, cleared and be able to have been working on clear programs and being able to support the military. So a lot of times we don't think that those skills are transferable, especially if it's something you've always had. But yes, it definitely made a difference. Um, I went right into government contracting and worked for a couple of uh, major uh, corporations in the area that support defense, mostly government contracts in the area. And it made a difference in my salary between ten dollars to $20,000 easily. At the time, I didn't really realize what that would mean moving forward, but it has definitely been a catalyst for my career and where I'm at today. That's, that's great. You know, I just received a message from a connection that I had, they haven't used their clearance in a couple of years. So they're kind of past that deadline where they have to start from scratch. And it really is a big deal when these companies or agencies that are willing to sponsor are kind of few and far between, or the just the time that it takes to invest in re-clearing someone, you know, you really got to keep that clearance if you want to continue to work in this space. Or if you don't want to work in this space right away, that's totally fine. Just make sure you know those timelines or you find a company that maybe works in the cleared space, but also has some commercial work as well. Yes. Yes, definitely. And just even like you're to that point for myself, the last contract company that I work for, I end up becoming a subcontractor in the, in the second part of what a small business. And one of the requirements was to have a, a secure facility. And because I was just starting out and I was a small business, it was so important to find a partner that had that's already had that clearance and was able to utilize, I mean, have a, a secure skiff. So it helped me having those relationships. So to your point, making sure that you keep those, those timelines like in the front of your mind because they come up quick mm -hmm. <laughs> and making sure you really start 
you know, laying out partners to make sure that you can have someone that can hold that clearance or transition into positions where you won't have a disruption. Because I've heard some some stories and, and where people had lost out on thousands of dollars and opportunities because they let that lapse. That's so true. And it really speaks to your original point in the transition, really just having those short and long-term goals. You know, you, you want to think about your next career opportunity, obviously, but you also want to think about what you maybe want to be doing five to 10 years down the line. And so if you're not taking those steps within five to 10 years, you, you can kind of screw yourself out of a, a better opportunity. So let's talk about your inspiration and your passion for STEM and what really drove you to start a both a for-profit and a non-profit? You know, it was a full circle moment. I was working as a government contractor and my mentor, I had a mentor in that space. We were talking through just my career path and some of the things that I wanted to do in the future. And he was like, I think you should start your own company. At the time I was finishing up my MBA and I wanted to do something totally different. I knew I wanted to own a business. I just didn't really see myself as owning a tech business because I didn't see anyone else that looked like me doing it. So I immediately, as we all do sometimes, started talking myself out of it and giving myself a million reasons why I couldn't do it. And he really sat down with me and showed me a pathway. And I ended up going to a local women's business center um, in Springfield, Virginia, and met a counselor there. And she, you know, gave me a list of classes to take. And I like definitely spent about six months doing my research and making sure this was something that I really wanted to do. And she also became another mentor and friend for me. Still is a very great resource for me to this day, great relationship. And I started my for-profit at the time. We were doing non-traditional IP-based systems, which is now called Internet of Things. But date myself. And that was about 10, 11 years ago. And I started running a solutions engineering center and I started seeing all the latest and newest technologies that were coming out. And I really was thinking, okay, how are we going to secure this? So I wanted to be a part of the conversation. And I also wanted to be a part of the future of what technology and cyber would look like. And so got my first contract, started working that And from there, I started doing a lot of um, work with other organizations, especially ones that were working with young girls, because I didn't see a lot of young women. I didn't see a lot of women of color. Um, So there were two things I'm like, I'm usually the only one in the room. And although that can be flattering, I (laughs) don't want to be there by myself. So I really started seeing like, what can I do to be a part of the solution? And so I started mentoring um, on a organization called Girl, um, Girls Inspired and Ready to Lead. And I started doing most of their cybersecurity and tech diversity programs. And then from there, I just had another aha moment to start my own nonprofit that tried to be a bridge to other um, young women and, and guys that were underserved and in areas where they didn't see people that look like them right? I always just have a model that you can't be what you what you don't see. And so just pure passion took bootstrap most of my, my earnings from my for-profit and started my nonprofit and started doing workforce development programs and apprenticeship programs and to date have had a 100% successful graduation rate and been able to translate those um, graduates into career tech 
folks now that are either working for me or other partners that I have. So I love to see that type of impact. And although, I, you know, I would love to be able to do hundreds and thousands, I always say if I can change one person's life, I feel like I've done my job. That is just all so fantastic. And that, that's what I love about nonprofits and sort of the community that you're developing. And it's a beautiful thing that you're able to do both the for-profit and the nonprofit and affect so many so many folks. You say you were a lot of the times the only person in the room. And so obviously it's really important to increase diversity in cybersecurity and IT because there, if we don't have a certain voice in the room, then there's going to be a certain issue that we don't see. And so that's, you know, one really important factor of increasing diversity and inclusion. But in your own words, why else is it important? And what do you think sort of a utopia of cybersecurity that world looks like? You know, because I, I feel like for me to be able to be a part of what's going on in your society, right? And then also being a part of the conversation, like leaving people out, then we are doing ourselves a disservice because we're not being able to see the full story. You know, there's things that may be just important to one, you know, group of people. But then what I found even just in doing this work for over the last six years is that um, there were so many other communities that I was not even for myself that I was like, oh, well, I never thought about the disabled community. I didn't think about, because sometimes I know we can always just get caught up in what's in front of us, but being able to service those communities and service, you know, other communities and us all working together has just been amazing for me. And it also has felt like, I feel like it will just strengthen us overall. Because now we are not just having one-sided conversation. Now this conversation can be all-inclusive to understand how we can be better as a whole versus just my, my section or this person's section. So I think that, you know, even I was having lunch yesterday with a couple colleagues and I was saying that one of my biggest and greatest inspiration is that 16 to 24 generation. And I was saying, I'm trying to find a way to make them care about cybersecurity, right? Because now cybersecurity has become very mainstream, especially when you see like a lot of the incidents now being on um, television, like with the gas crisis and, you know, some people have experienced identity theft. Now people are starting to take more notice, right? And he said, you know, maybe we should think about turning cybersecurity into a lifestyle, right? Because it affects their lifestyle especially for, you know, those, you know, the Instagram generation, I like to call them, they want their lifestyle to be fabulous and they don't want any interruptions. They don't want to be victims of identity theft and they don't want, you know, things to happen to them where gas prices are, you know, through the roof and they can't do the things that they want to do. So make it about, you know, adding them to the conversation and adding things that are important to them, not just things that have been, you know, important to people prior to them. And I said, wow, that was another aha moment for me. So, you know, I just think that those things are important, you know, when we can be better as a people, when we all work together. Sure. And so you mentioned the Instagram generation. I love that. So Gen Z, we're trying to figure out how to get them interested in national security careers. And that's a great point. Turning it, you know, cybersecurity, it's a lifestyle. It touches every facet of your life. You know, whether you want to log into Instagram or whether 
you you want I mean, you know, washer dryers and fridges and yes. all of these things are connected to the cloud now. Whether you want anything to work, it's going to affect your lifestyle. So that's a great point. Turning it into a lifestyle. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it was such an aha moment for me. I was like, it, it was so simple. It was to the point. And I would have, you know, never even came up with that on my own. And that's mm-hmm. why it's important to have community, you know, and to have a community that is diverse because you can have those conversations and find out information that maybe you you've been thinking about, but you really just needed someone to just to bring it all full circle. So I think that that is the importance of being inclusive and, you know, having a diverse population and a diverse set of uh, members of your team or people that you create community with. Absolutely. So kind of bringing it all together, you know, you talked about the 100% success rate and sort of the importance of, you know, getting these younger kids and teaching them safe practices. And so let's focus on my secure kid. So tell us a little bit more about the importance of, you know, getting them interested in career opportunities in IT. And I know you spoke to a few things of why it's important, but could you expand on that? Yes. Um, So always, my, my colleagues always say when I talk about the nonprofit, my eyes just light up. So you know, it's mm-hmm. just so important because with like you like we talked about earlier, with everything um, being IP based now, right? And everything that we use in our everyday lives has some type of connectivity to to the internet or to the way we work, the way we live. It's so important that those careers that sometimes they think, oh, I can't, you know, it's not possible. I don't really think I can do that. Um, changing their mindset about what tech and, and cybersecurity looks like has been very important for me with uh, my secure kids. So not just trying to inspire you, but also for you just to change your mindset about it. I want it to be, I want the profession to be um, looked at just as though, just as important as being a lawyer or a doctor to me, because it's that crucial. It's that important. And having the next generation see it in that aspect, I think will be a tremendous asset to the way we work, the way we live, the way we, you know, do everything. And so doing the workforce development programs, I know that I had a conversation with some youth the other last week and they were like, we don't really want to go to a four-year college. You know, that's great, but we want to be able to, you know, have the lifestyle that we want right now, you know, and having a pathway where you can get certifications and having an organization that will help you, mentor you, make sure that you're on the right pathway, give you the training and education, help on some of your soft skills. Oh Lord, they need the soft skills. Help them with their soft skills um, so that they can work with the other generations that's like, oh my God, right? (laughs) What have we done? Who have we created? And getting them ready um, to be able to go out into the world is like a personal mission of mine and Mm -hmm. also of my secure kid. Um, So we do everything from workforce development, programs to apprenticeship programs to upskilling and reskilling. We take even folks that have a four-year degree or that have a two-year degree 
And maybe they started off as a teacher and now they want to try something different and giving them the skills and the training and the mentorship to be able to do those jobs have been just life-changing. And I think that it will be, it will have a major impact on the way we live, the way we work, the way we do everything. So yeah, very excited about My Secure Kid. I can go on all day about My Secure Kid. (laughs) Well, I encourage everyone to check it out and I'm kind of putting my former, my recruiter hat on, you know, it groups like my secure kid are really important because we are seeing a low candidate base or not as many folks entering sort of the security cleared cybersecurity workforce as those folks that are leaving. So it is important to sort of get them interested in STEM and, you know, cleared STEM roles and sort of create that spark or at least show them what the options are. Because like you said, folks didn't grow. I mean, I always say I didn't grow up saying I wanted to be a recruiter, certainly did not. But, you know, folks usually say, I want to be a doctor. I want to be an astronaut. You know, I want to be a lawyer. But it's really important to say, you know, I want to I want to work in IT. I want to work in cybersecurity. And I want to when I when I see that, like I've had programs that we've done, outreach programs. And if it's just one person that said, when I came in here, I had, I remember one young lady, it like it touched my heart so much. Um, we were doing like some workshops with the organization girl and the one young lady, she stood up and she was about 12 years old. And she said, you know, I just came here because I heard that there was free lunch mm-hmm. and I, I'm leaving here thinking that I can actually do something in tech because mm-hmm. I'm smart, you know, and I have, I have skills and I'm always like, I'm the tech person of my house. I help my grandparents. I know the most, but I didn't think that it would actually be a career field or anything that I would want to do. But seeing you women and being around you made me really decide that this is what I really want to do. And when I tell you, I mean, anyone knows me, I get very emotional. Like the tears just started running. Like she came here for lunch, you know, she just came for lunch and she left here just even changing her mindset about tech and you know and I know for myself you know just you know growing up in humble beginnings in an area that was you know urban area in Oakland California I didn't see a lot of people that look like me doing the work that I was doing so just Mm -hmm. to have that impact and bring people you know just the information to make the the decision or the option that you can do it. Don't talk yourself out of it. You are more than qualified. And, you know, the things that you're doing that you are more of a consumer base, you can also be a part of making the next big thing. You can be the next big thing. So, you know, I get so excited about it. Yeah. You're making me emotional over (laughs) here. That's, I mean, that's so wonderful though, to, to see that impact. And again, touch so many people and, you know, give them that inspiration because you were feeling so inspired to start this. So, you know, sort last question before we sign off, I really appreciate you joining me today for this episode. I think the work that you're doing is so, so important. So let's talk about when you were in the Air Force, your specialty code, because I think that's important to see where the where sort of the start of that journey was and then favorite place you were stationed. So I was and, you know, it's been some years. I was a three Charlie, uh, which was a communications um, AFSC at the time. 
and um, my favorite duty station. So I didn't have a lot of duty stations. So I only had three. Um, McCullen Air Force Base, which was in Sacramento, California, and then it closed. And then I was stationed at Whiteman Air Force Base in Knob, Nostrum, Missouri, which that was a whole nother adventure. And then I was stationed here um, at the Pentagon. Um, I would say all three, because each of them, I learned something different. Um, and it really changed my perspective um, because I, I was from an urban area. So to live in... Um, not Nostra, Missouri was definitely a rude awakening <laughs> when you only had a Walmart as your mall and a McDonald's oh, as your fine cuisine. Um, <laughs> but it taught me a lot about myself and just to take them to make the most out of the, the opportunities as they came. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, that was pretty much my journey. Well, well said, you know, learning, learning new things, learning new things about yourself, learning new things about other people. So there you have it, folks. If you think being a vetrepreneur is your calling, you just heard from one of the rock stars. So for more military news, transition advice, or STEM career opportunities, you can visit news.clearancejobs.com.